I do want to preach this morning to our moms and encourage them in the Lord. If you've got your Bible here today, we do want to turn to the Old Testament, the book of 1 Kings and chapter 17. We'll be looking at a very familiar passage today. The title of my message this morning is Blessings at the Bottom of the Barrel. Dr. Helen Rosevere was a faithful missionary to Zaire for 20 years. She served there from 1958 through 1978. And in her memoirs, she tells of several incredible stories of God's provision in those remote jungles. None more stunning, of course, than the way that God answered one of this precious woman's prayers so specifically and with impeccable timing. Her miracle came, she said, on the heels of a tragedy. An indigenous mother that Dr. Rosevere was caring for died during childbirth and left behind a two-year-old daughter and a premature infant. Helen Rosevere suddenly found herself in an impossible situation. How was she going to keep this baby alive? With no incubator, no electricity, and few supplies this newborn baby's life was in jeopardy. And things went from bad to worse when her only hot water bottle burst. The rubber inside the bottle burst. Dr. Rosevere remembers asking all the children in the orphanage that were under her care to, to pray for the baby and her sister. And as the verse in the psalm says, out of the mouths of the babes and the sucklings, right? One faith-filled ten-year-old girl named Ruth seemed to believe the promise of God. And she prayed, Dear God, send a hot water bottle today. And tomorrow, Lord, it would be too late for the baby would be dead. And dear Lord, send a doll for the sister so that she won't feel so alone. Well, Dr. Roosevelt said that they prayed and they went about their day. And late into the afternoon... A car arrived, and they dumped out a huge box. It was a package that had arrived from England. The children there watched eagerly as Dr. Rosevere opened it, and there were articles of clothing for the children. There were some medical supplies. There was canned food. And there in the bottom of the cardboard box was a hot water bottle. Rosevere recalled, she said, I cried, and I cried, and I sat in the dirt, and I cried some more, because I had not asked God to send it, and I did not believe that He would. With that, she said the little girl, Ruth, who had prayed so earnestly, started digging even deeper into that box and said, Well, if God sent a bottle, I'm sure He sent a baby doll too. And as she dug to the bottom of that box, there was a little baby doll. Here's what she wrote. She said the amazing thing about that package is the note inside was dated, listen to this, five months earlier from the day that it had arrived there in Africa. She said the package came from my former Sunday school class. Months earlier, there was no way they could have known we would have needed a hot water bottle and a baby. But God did. Amen? How many of you have learned by now that God's provision is on time every time? He's an on-time God. And in 1 Kings 17, 
we read about one of those on-time miracles. One of the most formative miracles, I believe, in the, the early ministry of the prophet Elijah. And like Miss Rosevere's baby bottle, here we have a miracle of provision that not only was going to test the faith of our prophet, but also that of a desperate mother. In fact, as we study this widow mother, we don't even know her name. The Bible just calls her the widow of Zarephath. And if there was ever a mother on this special day that could teach us a thing or two about trusting God's provision, it's the widow of Zarephath. And so many times I believe that our mothers are in the same situation as this dear lady was. Their mothers are driven to the point of utter exhaustion. Uh, they are driven to desperation. Moms today who deal with the endless demands of little children, who are constantly trying to balance the workload inside and outside the home, you're going to have no trouble identifying with the plight of this woman. This woman who was ready to fix her last meal and die. But what God did for her is a reminder today of what God will do for you and what God will do for me. So if you're a mother today, you might be wondering, where am I going to do for the next meal? Where am I going to go to find the strength for that, Lord? Lord, I, I, can't, I can't take one more problem today, Lord. God, how are you going to meet my, my family's special need? Well, God provided here for this little widow mother, and it shows us this morning some universal and some timeless truths today about how God will provide for us as well. I want you to notice, number one, as we begin in our text, the unexpected place of God's provision. The unexpected place of God's provision. Read with me, beginning in verse 8. Then the word of the Lord came to him, Arise and go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow there to feed you. The unexpected place. Elijah's boot camp in that rocky ravine of Kareth is over. You'll remember in the beginning of chapter 17, Elijah's there at that babbling brook. He's being fed by the ravens. But because of the severe drought that God has now brought on the land because of His judgment, that brook which supplied his needs and those ravens which helped the prophet Elijah stay alive has now dried up. And God directs the man of God to move to a town that we have trouble even pronouncing, a town named Zarephath. If you'll see the map there, you can see where he was by the Kareth Brook. He, tra he traveled north up into Phoenicia to Zarephath. Now to you and me, we read that and we, we say, well, that's great. <laughs> Sounds good. We're going back to civilization. But Zarephath, listen, was no beach resort. First off, as you look at the map, you need to know it's about 100 miles away from where Elijah was stationed. That means that Elijah was going to have to travel out in the open. He was going to be the most exposed man already, remember, King Ahab, that wicked man, has put out the APB on Elijah. He's wanted dead or alive. So this was no small thing to ask the prophet to get up and move 
with the threat of danger looming overhead. Now, Zarephath, let me give you a little background on this so that it will help you to understand. It was a suburb of Sidon in the kingdom of Phoenicia, which is in today's modern country of Lebanon. If you go back into 1 Kings 16 and verse 31, we understand that this is the same country from where Ahab has taken his wicked wife Jezebel. She's from this place. Now that name Zarephath is interesting. In the Hebrew, it actually means to melt or to smelt. And the main industry there, according to archaeology, was metallurgy and blacksmithing. The industry in Zarephath, there they crafted all manner of idols and trinkets for the worship of the false god Baal. So think of it like this. What Detroit is to the automobile, Zarephath was in this day to the worship of Baal. They created the idols there, the trinkets, the medallions, all the things that were needed to worship this false and evil God. So think of the irony here. Think of the danger. God is sending His man to the capital city of evil. He tells him, I want you to go to the place that means refiner so that I may further refine you. And I want you to see here today that this is the unexpected place of God's provision. Now, if we're playing the travel itinerary, this would be the last place on earth that we would go. But how many of you know that the path that God lays out for us many times doesn't make sense from our earthly perspective? That we trod not by uh, sight, but by faith. And the path of God's provision may lead us to a place that isn't our preference. Amen? Think of some of the dead-end places where God sent His people down through the years. He took Abraham to the top of Mount Moriah. He led Joseph into a prison. He brought Israel to the Red Sea. Jesus directed His men into the storm. Paul and Silas ended up in a, in a jail. Sometimes God leads us to that unexpected place so that He can provide for us in a way that we've never seen before. God leads Elijah straight here into the jaws of danger to prove that He could protect and preserve His servant. What does Psalm 23 and verse 5 say? You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. God wants us to trust Him when He leads us into an unexpected place. That not only will He get us to it, but He'll bring us through it. Amen? That the will of God will never take us to a place where the hand of God and the grace of God cannot provide. You see, when He leads... He feeds. Where God guides, He provides. I can think back to many times in my life where God has done this. When I first answered the call to preach, I didn't really know how I was going to pay for Bible college. By the way, Bible college ain't cheap. You've got the books. You've got the tuition. You've got all the costs associated with that at the time when I answered that call to preach I was I didn't have a position in the church in fact at that time I was substitute teaching not exactly a steady paycheck and I can remember being in, led into that uncomfortable place where I knew that God had called me to be there there was no denying it 
But Lord, not understanding, where's the provision going to come from, God? I, I don't really see this adding up, Lord. And I can remember uh, the time coming when I had to pay tuition and I was short. And I prayed and I said, God, if this is real and you really want me in this place, and God, if Bible college and preaching is your will for me, then God, you're going to have to meet the need. Because I was short. I can remember one day going out to the mailbox. I was still living at home with mom and dad. I went out to the mailbox and I opened the mailbox and pulled out a strange letter. And as I began to open it up, Dear Mr. McCarson, we're writing to inform you of a pill that you paid at such and such a date. We're informing you that you have overpaid. And here's a refund exactly a day or two ahead before I needed to make that payment. I'm telling you, he's an on-time God. That's just one example in my life. But God has done it. He's done it over and over and over again in my life. He's done it with bills. He's done it with doors that I couldn't open. He's done it with needs that I couldn't meet, with appointments that I couldn't arrange. But I'm telling you, He'll lead you to the unexpected place because He has an unexpected provision. You see, when you're on God's path, listen to me, Mom. You'll never lack His provision. God's path never lacks God's provision. Number one, the unexpected place of God's provision. Number two, I want you to see this today. The unlikely person of God's provision. The unlikely person. Read with me again verse 10. And so, he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city... Behold, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, Bring me a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to bring it, he called to her and said, Bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. Verse 12, And she said, As the Lord your God lives, I have nothing baked, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. And now I'm gathering a couple of sticks that I may go and prepare it for myself and my son that we, watch this, may eat and die. The unexpected, un unlikely person of God's provision. Picture this, Elijah has just trekked 100 miles through the wilderness. He has cotton mouth. Uh, his tongue is stuck to the roof of his mouth. The hunger pains are intense. And there he gets to the gate of the city, the appointed place where God told him he would meet her. He sees this pitiful widow that God has promised to be the one that would take care of him. I wonder in that moment as he saw it, did his expectations shatter to the ground? I mean, picture the scene. As he arrives there, Lord, is, is, is this the lady? Is this the widow you were talking about? How is this lady going to be my meal ticket, Lord? This, this woman doesn't even have two pieces of bread to put together into a sandwich. And you look at that, and based upon the first impression, what is Elijah to think in the moment? At least at Kareth, he could say, Lord, I was getting air mailed two meals a day by the ravens. But this lady, all she's got is heartache and tears and empty cupboards. But God says, this is the one. The unlikely person 
Elijah has gone, listen to me, from the Drybrook University to the bottom of the Barrel Graduate School. And on the other hand, think about this widow. Here she is, a woman whose life has been defined by heartache. How many tears had she shed because of the death of her husband? This is a woman who had given up hope. This is a woman who had no help. Life was over. Her poverty was so deep that this meal was it. And yet out of the wilderness comes a strange vagabond, shows up at the doorstep and asks for a sandwich. Probably the worst possible time for a drifter to show up looking for a handout. And as she probably looked him up and down, this gaunt figure, this sun-baked man of God, wrinkled and old, and, and, and she looked at him, I'm, at that camel cloak, I'm sure she thought, wow, this guy's not in a position to help me either. By the way, have you found out that when God is testing you, oftentimes the situation will go from bad to worse before it gets better? Right? That's what's happened here. Uh, the perfect example of that moment in life when the faith is threadbare. And we doubt God's promise. And we wonder, Lord, is this, is this really the place that you've called me to? Is this really the person that you have selected for me? Doesn't add up. But there's another layer to this woman. Not only was she destitute, friend, but she was a Gentile. She was a pagan Ball worshiper. She did not know the God of Elijah. She reminds me of other women in the Bible like Rahab and Tamar and Ruth. They were outsiders of the family of God and the grace of God. And while Elijah comes looking for this morsel of bread, friend, I'm telling you, there was a God who was seeking her heart. There was a God in heaven who knew her heart, knew her need. And moved the prophet just for her. Jesus, in fact, noted this in his first sermon. When Jesus preached in Luke chapter 4, verses 25 and 26. Jesus said this, But in truth I tell you, there were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah when the heavens were shut up three years and six months and a great famine came over all the land. But watch verse 26. And Elijah was sent to none of them, but only of Zarephath in the land of Sidon to a woman who was a widow. How many times do moms get to that place where they're all alone? Uh, where the, the finances don't make sense? Where the struggle is real? Where the resources are gone? You've prayed, you've done all that you can do, and you feel as if God has left me. And yet Jesus said, <laughs> God moved His man. God sent the prophet from a hundred miles away into her life at the exact moment when she was about to give up. Friend, I'm telling you, sometimes the reason why God asks us to get up and go somewhere else to a place that wasn't on our itinerary, it may not be for us, it may be for somebody else, and the purpose may be ministry. God picks you up, God moves you, and brings you to a place that, that you didn't really plan for because there's somebody there who's outside the, the, the family, somebody who needs the love of God, somebody who doesn't understand the grace of God. But God has brought you there to that place because He's a sovereign God. 
Notice how he's worked this sovereign equation from both ends. Elijah needed the widow just as much as she needed him. Elijah needed a scrap from her table to stay alive. And she needed his God for her salvation and to make the provision stretch far beyond what was physically possible. God brought together, listen to this, two desperate people at a perfect time to teach them both about God's ability to do the extraordinary through the ordinary people. I love what Charles Spurgeon wrote about this. He said about God's providence, he said, the, quote, The omniscient Lord of all appoints the date of every event. All times are in His hand. None are left to chance. There are no loose threads in the providence of God. No drop stitches. The great clock of the universe keeps perfect time. The whole machinery of providence moves with unerring punctuality. He said there are no broken links in the golden chains of God's people, God's plans, and God's purposes. Have you lived it? Have you seen it in your own life? I was talking to my mama earlier this week. And we were, we were reminiscing about that time few years ago, that, that terrible dark time in our family when she was struggling through cancer. And because Mama was diagnosed with the late stage, very uh, aggressive cancer, the doctors ordered her to be on some very powerful drugs, some very powerful chemo and radiation that basically, let's just be honest, it poisons your body and takes you right up to death's door, Right? And so, one facet of the cancer, of course, is the suffering, is the, the physical toll that it takes on the body. But there's another facet to it. It's the financial toll. Because it puts incredible strain on families. And I can remember Mama talking about one, one treatment. What was a patch that she had to wear that, listen to this, cost $7,000 just for one patch. My goodness. Mama said when she heard about that, she just wept and wept and wept. How in the world could they buy that drug? Insurance wasn't going to cover it. How was she going to get the treatment that she needed? And I can remember Mom talking about she had that conversation with the pharmacist. Pharmacist explaining this said, uh, well, Miss McCarson, I'm sorry, but th this is what it costs and this is what's been prescribed. But we were praying, weren't we? I was praying, you were praying, the church was praying. People from all over the country were praying. And the next day after that conversation with the pharmacist, they, they, they called my mama back. This is the timing of God. This is the provision of God I'm talking about. And the pharmacist said, good news. I've been on the phone with the drug provider and we found a way to get you that for free. <laughs> For free, at no charge. The unlikely person, the unlikely provision, who would have ever thought it would have come that way. But I'm telling you, when God is your God, He never misses an appointment. He never under, overlooks your need. He knows when you need it and sends it at the right time. 
Oh, friend, and I'm telling you today, my beautiful mama, she's a miracle. She's a walking testimony of the goodness and the faithfulness of my God. Because not only did she get her medicine, but she got her healing as well. Only God. Only God. I'm talking about number one. Notice this. The unexpected place of God's provision. The unlikely person of God's provision. And then number three, I want you to see this. The unusual promise of God's provision. Unusual promise, verse 13. Read real quick with me. Elijah said to her, do not fear. By the way, child of God, that's what he's saying to you right now in your need. Do not fear. (laughs) I've got this. I'm a big God. Do you trust me? Do not fear. Go and do as you have said. But first, make me a little cake of it and bring it to me. And afterward, make something for yourself and your son. Verse 14 says this, For thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, The jar of flour shall not be spent, and the jug of oil shall not be empty until the day that the Lord sends rain upon the earth. Now Elijah had already seen the hand of God move like clockwork at that place called Cherith. So when he hears about the widow's shortage, I picture the prophet, he sizes up the situation, maybe shrugs his shoulder and says, Well, <laughs> that's no problem for my God. But in order to see this miracle come to pass, this widow has to trust the prophet's word, the promise of God, and she must give up in that moment what is most precious to her. What would you have done? What would you have done in that situation? You're down to your last meal. You don't really even know this man of God. Talk about an unusual promise. For this widow, in order to receive anything, notice she had to risk something. It wasn't much, just one cake, but that's all that she had in that moment to give. Reminds me of the, the other widow in the New Testament who gave her two mites. This widow's gift was not about quantity, but it was about quality. And friend, that's the power of faith. Instead of clutching on to what we have, we open our hand and we freely give it to God Because in God's hand, He can take it, multiply it, bless it, and make it go a lot further. Little is much when God is in it. You say, that don't add up. No, because that's divine mathematics. It doesn't add up in in God's economics. But listen to what Jesus said in Luke 6, 38. He said, give and it will be given to you. Pressed down, shaken together, running over will be put into your bosom for with the same measure that you use it, it will be measured back to you. The prophet said, the flower's not going to run out. There'll always be something in the jar of oil. Listen to what David Jeremiah wrote. He said, quote, If your hand is tightly closed around worldly possessions, you may be able to hold on to those things for a short time. But God can never put anything else into your hand because your hand is closed. But when you open your hand and you are generous to God, He can take out of your hand whatever He wants and He can also put back into your hand whatever He wants. 
Rest assured, he said, we can't outgive God. He always gives back in double portions. Now, this isn't talking about prosperity preaching or the blab it and grab it, name it and claim it. That's not what this is about. This is about trusting God with everything. Reminds me of the, little, the story that I heard about <laughs> the little boy and his daddy who went into the, the old general store. We used to have one of these up Pisgah Highway. It was called Green's Grocery. It's not there anymore. But I can remember they'd have barrels of candy inside this old country store. They'd have RC Cola, and they'd have moon pies, and they'd have peanuts, and, and, and they'd have chocolate brownies, you know, with all the, like the Yoo-Hoo's with all the chocolate at the bottom, and you'd have to shake it up. Yeah. Somebody knows. Heard about this little boy and his daddy who went into one of those general stores and they had that barrel. Remember the barrels where you could put as much, uh, as much candy as you could get for a penny, as much as would fit in your hand? And I can remember hearing this story about this boy and this dad who go into this store and there was that big barrel of candy. And dad put down the money, penny, two pennies, whatever it was. And the proprietor looked at the boy and said, All right, all right, son, you go ahead, just, just get whatever you want. And the little boy just stood there and he looked. And they kind of had this little staring contest. He said, Well, boy, aren't you going to get in there and get you some candy? The little boy said, I'm waiting. He, and the proprietor, he, he stuck his hand in there, got a big portion of that candy. I said, Here, hold out your shirt. The boy held out his shirt and he dumped that candy in his lap. Father and son were walking out, and the daddy said to the little boy, said, son, I don't understand it, but why didn't you just reach in there and get the candy? What, what was that all about? And the little boy said, he had a bigger hand. He had a bigger hand. I'm telling you, that's my God. My God always has a bigger hand. He's got a bigger shovel. He's got all the provision. And if I can just wait on Him, He's going to provide in a way that this world has never seen. And that lost people can't understand. But I'm telling you, my God doesn't give stones. He gives bread. He don't give serpents. He gives only good gifts to His children. Here's the application. especially for our struggling mothers today, let me ask you, what is God asking you by faith to hand over to Him? Just as this little mama had to give over that first cake to Elijah. Mom, what is, what is it you're carrying around? What is that burden, that worry that's not getting any lighter and you've been carrying it around for so long? You haven't given it to God yet. For some of you, God hasn't been your priority. He hasn't been your first place like this widow lady, she didn't know Elijah's God. Some of you say, but Lord, I don't have much to give. And neither did she, but she gave it. You say, Lord, I don't have much to give. You give Him your brokenness. You give Him your sin. You give Him your need. You give Him your weakness. You give Him your shame. You give Him your tired body. And He said, I'll provide for you. Because I care for you and I know what you need. So we see number three. That was number three. Actually, let me back up. The unexpected place of God's provision. The unlikely person of God's provision. And then number three, we looked at 
the unusual promise of God's provision. But friend, it's not over yet. Look at this last application, number four, the unlimited power of God's provision. The unlimited power, verse 15. Oh, praise God for this. And she went in and did as Elijah said. And she and her household ate for many days. The jar of flour was not spent, neither did the jug of oil become empty according to the word of the Lord that he had spoken by Elijah. Don't miss, friend, the expedience of obedience. How it opened up the windows of heaven here in this passage. Verse 10, if you go back up, the Bible says that Elijah arose and went. That's obedience. Verse 15, we just read it. It said that the widow went and did. That's obedience. Friend, to know God is to love Him. To love Him is to trust Him. To trust Him is to obey Him. And to obey Him is to be blessed by Him. I'm talking about the unlimited power. Friend, when it comes to obedience, there's two words. There's today, which is God's Word. And there's tomorrow, which is Satan's Word. And don't let your obedience die in the valley of decision between today and tomorrow. Biblical obedience is always immediate. It's always complete. She went <laughs> and did. And the beautiful thing about this miracle, oh, look at this. They ate for many days. It was a reoccurring daily supply of God's grace. God didn't make the pantry bulge with barrels of flour and bottles of oil, but every day, <laughs> every day that widow went into her cupboard and she uncovered that jar. She saw, oh, there's just enough oil for three cakes. There's just enough flour for something to bake. Friend, that's the thrill of living by faith. I bet you those miracle biscuits tasted better because they knew they had come from the hand of God. Amen? And when God provides for you, I'm telling you, it is sweet. And you say, Lord, I can't believe you did it again. But you did. Because you're a good God. Now think about this. By refilling the widow's supply each day, what's the implication? Every day was her last meal. Every day was her last opportunity. But as she depended on God for daily bread, God met the need. And when God is all you have, you'll find out God is all you need. Dale Moody said this. He said, quote, A man can no more take in a supply of God's grace for the future than he can eat enough for the next six months. Or take in sufficient air into his lungs at one time to sustain him for a week. He said, we must draw upon God's boundless store of grace day by day as we need it. This mom, she went into her pantry and she found that God had already been there. That God had 
had already provided for her need each day, each meal. There was daily ration. There was bread. There was goodness from God. And friend, I'm telling you, there's provision. There's grace. There's mercy. Mom, if you're struggling today, if you don't know where your help is coming from, if you are running low, if there's nothing but the bottom of the barrel, I'm telling you, there is a pantry that you can go to. It's a storehouse. It's the the bread of God. And you can get your nugget for today. You can get your strength for the day to face the challenges and to face the problems and as you obey God and as you apply His Word, oh friend I'm telling you, He's going to meet you right there in your problem. He's going to meet you in your exhaustion. He's going to meet you in your stress and in your situation of need. God's going to show up in a powerful and a mighty way and you'll find He's a good God. He's a gracious God. He's an on time God. He's a providing God that His supply is never exhausted, that His love is never failing, that His grace is still amazing today, and His blessings are every day. Amen. What a God we have. Corey Ten Boom was a woman who understood this. She writes in her classic book, The Hiding Place, About that dreaded time when she and her sister Betsy had been hauled off to the Ravensbrück concentration camp by the Nazis. Her and her sister were living there in the darkest possible situation. She had somehow smuggled in a Bible into this concentration camp and a little vial of liquid vitamins. She said that in that concentration camp, her sister Betsy got sick she got malnourished she got worse and worse and worse they tried to stave it off as long as possible because they knew they had that vial of vitamins and it was only for the worst possible situation so Corey went to her sister Betsy and she said I don't think you're going to make it you better take these vitamins her sister Betsy said I want you to give everybody else in the barracks a drop who needs it before you give it to me. She said, God's going to take care of me. Here's what Corey Ten Boom wrote. She said, as we distributed those vitamins to all the needy ladies, the bottle continued to produce drops. It scarcely seemed possible so small a bottle, so many doses a day, Betsy and now a dozen others, she said, were taking it. She said, my instinct was to hoard it. But faith said, give it and trust God. Soon it numbered, she said, 15, 20. 25 ladies were being nourished on a little vial of vitamins. She said, every time I tilted the bottle, a a drop appeared at the tip of the glass. I said, it can't be. It can't be. How can there be another drop in here? Betsy told me, she said, there was a woman in the Bible whose jar of oil was never empty. We opened the book to the first Kings, and there in that dark little concentration camp, she says, we read about the widow of Zarephath. The jar of meal wasted not, neither did the cruise of oil fail, according to the works of Jehovah, which he had spoken by the prophet Elijah. Many nights, she said, I lay awake 
in the shower of straw dust from the mattress above, trying to fathom the marvel of supply that God had lavished upon us in that dark, dirty place. Maybe, I said, Betsy, only a molecule or two gets through the pinhole. And she laughed in the dark. <laughs> Corey, stop trying to explain God. Just accept it as a miracle from His hand. Oh, friend, when you've been there and you're looking down at the bottom of a barrel and there ain't nothing but emptiness, and God comes through, you're never going to forget it as long as you live. Some of you could preach this better than I could because you've seen it time and time again. And I'm wondering, how, are some of you empty today? God can fill your emptiness with His love, with His peace, with His salvation that can only come from Jesus who said, I am the bread of life. I'll take care of your physical and your spiritual. As we stand today and as we sing, this passage is really about the provision of Christ. And how that in type and shadow, He's the one that, that meets our needs physically, spiritually. So we'll have a time of invitation. And if anybody wants to respond to the message, we'll, we'll give you that chance to do it. You can come and pray. Maybe you need to be saved. Maybe you need to be baptized. Maybe you didn't come earlier, but you want to come now. You'll be obedient to God as we, as we sing. Preston, will you lead us, brother?